Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Out on a Tangent with the Merrimack Public Library. This is our 10th episode, Kathy. Woot woot! How exciting! We're celebrating it by talking about books we hate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this topic took a little bit like a mind of its own. Because it's like books we genuinely hate. And also books that are hated by a lot of people. And books that... I, I like to hate read things that don't make sense to me. Okay. Um, and then also it turned into a little bit of like things we just didn't finish. Yeah. <laughs> so something being on one of our lists doesn't mean that you can't or shouldn't enjoy it or read it. It just means that it like wasn't our cup of tea. Exactly. And this is for pure entertainment purposes. And most of mine are books that I was forced to read in school, so... Not that, you know, these things are important for a reason and they're, you know, the canon of what is learned in school is probably not going to change for the foreseeable future. Well, and we've talked before that there is a movement to try and modernize it, but until that happens, you know, there's something to be said for just, like, plowing through it and doing it because you have to Yeah. if it's going to get you where you want to be down the road. Yeah, so let's start with, should we start with the thing that, like, threw us for a loop the most? Yeah, the elephant in the room when we talk about terrible books. So we discovered that there's two, like, most hated books of all time. One of them is Fifty Shades of Grey, Mm -hmm. and the other one is the original Twilight. Yeah, we were on... Probably over a dozen lists of, like, worst books of all time. Mm -hmm. Books that should never have been written. Blah, 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 blah. Because we were looking for inspiration for our own lists. Yeah. And Twilight was on, like, every single list. Which was astounding to me because it's, you know, there's so many other options. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say that Twilight is well written. I've never read it. Or has good character development. Because I can objectively understand that these criticisms are valid and could be constructive criticisms. But to, to hate it is very trendy. Well, yeah, it's a thing to hate it. Like, yeah. it's a thing to hate watch Dance Moms or whatever. That's an old reference. but <laughs> Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't know why that's the first thing that came into my mind. Or, like, it was a thing to hate watch the Kardashians. Yeah. But people love them. So I think hating Twilight, like, because it's a thing to hate it, it's, like, cool to hate it, is a disservice to the fandom. Yeah, and if you go back and listen, we did an episode about Twilight with Angela from Adult Services, and she is... So well-versed in Twilight. She is, like, a super-duper mega-fan of Twilight. Yeah, she just got a Twilight tattoo. She did. So, yes. <laughs> so, like, she's a super-mega-fan of the canon, and I'm a huge part of the fandom where there are a ton of talented and dedicated people actively trying to make up for the discrepancies or deficits of the canon. Like, they're rewriting it to be more diverse, mm-hmm. to be more, like, 
less like plot holes, good. less <laughs> abusive. Like to write it to be good. They're taking what they perceive as weaknesses and putting a lot of effort into rewriting it. And when you dismiss the whole series or the whole fandom without giving it any thought or context, it does a disservice to a lot of these people yeah. that are really passionate about it. So I found an article from Vox that's called Reckoning with Twilight 10 Years Later. And it's a compilation of a bunch of people who I'm assuming are staff writers for Vox um, talking about when Twilight came out, how old they were when, they came, when it came out, and like their experience with it. And somebody said that they were not allowed, they didn't think they were allowed to like Twilight because smart girls weren't supposed to like books and movies like Twilight. Mm. Which, like, again, and then there's uh, a theory that we had discussed that is mentioned in this article. It was created for, marketed to, and loved by teenage girls, so societal standards were to hate it. Because a lot of things in society that are loved by teenage girls, like band boys, boy bands, (laughs) (laughs) boy bands, Twilight, um, what was the other one? Yeah, like a lot of fandom. Justin Bieber. Yeah, like a lot of fandoms that market to teenage girls are very popular to hate. Yeah, and now it's, the I think the most current things like BTS, maybe? Maybe, Because yeah. I've kind of noticed that when I was like a tween, Twilight was super popular. Like 2010, 2011. I had like a Team Jacob poster in my room, despite not reading the book because I <laughs> wanted to look cool. Um it was that, and there was One Direction, and it was huge at the time. But now I don't know what the thing for, like, tween girls is, other than BTS. Yeah, I'm not sure. When I was... Because I, I was culturally stunted because of my upbringing. And so I was always, like, a few years behind the trend. But I remember being deeply, deeply ashamed of liking Justin Timberlake in 2010, 2011 when I was in college. And I remember in grad school in like 2014 being deeply ashamed of liking One Direction music. Okay. And this was me as like a 23-year-old still not confident enough to say that I liked a particular song because I thought people were going to mock me. Now Harry Styles is like one of the biggest artists in the world. Yeah. Because it's ridiculous. Like, it's all of this is ridiculous. Yeah, and I remember seeing throughout the years, even before I was part of the Twilight fandom, like, seeing on Tumblr and social media, like, people sharing articles, like, and sometimes, like, scholarly articles studying the cultural implications of the hate on Twilight mm-hmm. as a way to, like, disempower teenagers. Well, so, so there's more to that because... People also gave reasons why they hate it. Well, those are probably valid. So many people argue that the book doesn't have a good role model role model in the character of Bella for teenage girls. But do YA novels need to have a good role model for them to be successful? Some of the most powerful books have fundamentally flawed characters. I'm not saying that this. I think I will find a lot of these criticisms valid. Well, though, but if we let's take Twilight out of the equation for a second, because okay, do YA novels need to have a good role model specifically for teenage girls? Like, why do they need a powerful role model in every YA novel? Well, I think part of writing is 
character development. And so you can have a flawed character, but you need to be aware that they're flawed and you need to present them as flawed. Yeah. And they need to have a care, like some sort of growth. Okay. I think that's where the criticism for Bella lies because I don't find that there's a lot of character growth. Okay, I've never read the book so or seen the movies, so I tried to watch some of the movie yesterday in <laughs> preparation luck. for this, and I died laughing at the part where Bella's like, "Don't touch me, don't touch me," and then Edward makes her get in the car, and then he like donuts the car around and speeds off. <laughs> The movie is easier to watch with the riff tracks. <laughs> um, and another thing, going back to Fifty Shades of Grey, mm-hmm. Fifty Shades of Grey had a huge cultural impact when it came out. Mm-hmm. Humongous pop culture impact. It was originally a Twilight fan fiction. It sure was. Which we've mentioned on the podcast before. So if there wasn't a Twilight, there wouldn't be a Fifty Shades of Grey. And several middle-aged people would be very upset. It's very interesting, actually, to bring this up, because if Stephanie Meyer had been as overprotective of her intellectual property, Twilight, Mm -hmm. if she had reacted to fanfiction the way that E.L. James reacts to fanfiction... Fifty Shades of Grey would not exist. Exactly. Because E.L. James shuts fan fiction down so fast. Like, she does not want fans to be inspired by or use any of her intellectual property. I have heard. I don't know her personally, obviously. But, like, like in fandom circles, it's kind of well-known. Like, oh, yeah, like, E.L. James hates, like, she doesn't give people the opportunity to do exactly what she did, mm-hmm. which is get famous off of... Something inspired by someone else's intellectual property. What is is E. L. James the author of? Um, of Fifty Shades. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, that. What? How insane is that? Someone who wrote a fan fiction doesn't like fan fiction. That doesn't make yeah. sense. It's. I mean, to each her own in the situation. Yeah. But like, it is. It's just interesting. Yeah. It's just interesting. So also, and we're gonna get more into this subject in October. So. This is a little teaser. Let's talk about vampires in pop culture for a second. Oh, what? sure. So the first thing that I can think of is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yep. Was that the first like teen thing with vampires in it? Um, probably, probably not. Um, well, what about teen, there were... what did that, that show with Michael J. Fox in the 80s, like Teen Wolf or something? That probably had vampires in it. I don't know. But like... When you think about modern cultural vampires, you have like the Anne Rice novels, mm-hmm. which and all of their subsequent adaptations. The Count have, from Scooby Doo. No, not Scooby Doo, Sesame Street. <laughs> uh, you have Buffy the Vampire Slayer, marketed at teenage girls. Yep. Um, you have like Supernatural. Yep. Which is very popular with teenage girls. <laughs> um, I mean, and whip, all of these things are like, who are they marketed to? Who, who actually loves them? Everyone loves them. Like, people across demographics yeah. <laughs> resonate with these things. Um, but I think vampires get like a, oh, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they get a little bit of scorn just for being vampires. Yeah. Because it's like fanciful and romantic mm-hmm. and, and that doesn't help the economy. No. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's also, I guess, canon that Robert Pattinson hates Twilight. Uh, yeah, he does not have a lot of respect for it. Which I find hilarious. He once, and I had tried to include this in a presentation I was doing like a year ago, but I couldn't find a source for it. But it circulated on Tumblr for years that someone in an interview had asked him, what do you have in common with Edward Cullen? And he had said, well, I look a bit like him. <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to save our vampire discussion for October. Yes, coming we... soon, a deep dive on vampirism. Because we're all of October, we're going to be doing different depictions of uh, supernatural characters. So get ready for that, everybody. <laughs> so now let's get into the books that we personally dislike. Okay. Are we going in any particular order? I don't have a particular order. Okay, neither do I. Okay. <laughs> so the first one I'm going to talk about is this book called Things Not Seen. I'm not going to give any of the authors because I want to give these books a fair chance for people who do want to read them based on my critis critical review of them. <laughs> Things Not Seen was a book I had to read in seventh grade English. It's about this boy who wakes up one day and becomes invisible. And he learns a lot about the world by befriending a blind girl who is the only person that believes him because she can't see him anyway. Okay. It is not good <laughs> for a lot of reasons. It's very slow. I couldn't read it as a seventh grader. Probably couldn't read it now. It also shines like a not so great light on the blind community hmm like, like it it's it's not like i wouldn't say it's ableist but it's very it's just it's just kind of hits the nose too much on the head as far as stereotypes go like cuz she like feels him to see what he looks like, which blind people don't necessarily do, and that's a misconstrued stereotype that they need yeah, to like, so like feel a person trying, trying to be in trying to be inclusive, but like it, without an actual sensitivity reader, maybe missing the mark. Yeah, like it's like close but no cigar. Okay, I see what they were trying to do at a middle grade level to sort of introduce people to the blind community, but I think it just it it borders on being inappropriate for that. Okay. Like, it could be offensive to the blind community. Yeah, I would be really curious um, some of the organizations that are, like, own voices, organizations that read and review these books, like, what they would have to say about it. Mm -hmm. Because those are, those are always interesting and often scathing. Yeah. Uh, so if you ever are looking for like a fun way to go down a rabbit hole <laughs> uh, look up like the books that you are reading or your friends are reading and like dig into reviews of them mm -hmm. because it's so it's so eye-opening yeah. like to read what people outside of your bubble are thinking about these books and I love it okay so what's your first one so the first one I thought of when writing this list was expelled but James Patterson, I am going to give the offer. Okay. Uh, because if you are curious, I want you to be able to find the books. So um, Expelled is by James Patterson. I have some qualms sometimes with James Patterson anyways because um, 
he can use a lot of writing partners and ghostwriters. And sometimes I think they deserve more credit than they get mm-hmm. uh, without digging too much into it. But so this particular book is up in our teen suspense collection. Mm-hmm. And the tagline is something akin to like being expelled is the best thing that ever happened to her. And on the cover is this teenage girl like leaning back against the wall of her school with like a backpack at her feet. And so to pick it up and read like the blurb on the back, you're like, oh, okay, there's like a friend group and someone did this thing and they all got expelled and like, ooh, what's the, what's the story behind the story? And then as I was reading it, like none of the main characters are girls. Oh. So the tagline and the cover have like nothing to do with the actual story. And I remember being really confused and being like, is this a misprinted first edition? Did they not catch it before it went to press? Did they like swap the covers of two books that are coming out at the same time as each other? And no, this seems to be the real tagline and cover for the book or it was when it was published. Like, but I just remember being very confused because there seemed to be a total disconnect that like the cover of the book and the content of the book had nothing in common. Mm-hmm. Like well beyond don't judge a book by its cover, like nothing in common. That's weird. Yeah. So I remember thinking like, oh, this book is not what I thought it was and just being dissatisfied. So... I also have a James Patterson <laughs> book on my list. <laughs> this was a book I picked up at, I believe, either a yard sale or a bookstore. I can't remember. And I tried to read it for fun, and I couldn't read it at all. It was called Angel, and it's in the Maximum Ride series. Okay. Um, which we do have that in our collection as well. Uh, so if you like it, my apologies. I just couldn't. Like, I picked it up because I like the cover. Because I think I was like 10 or 11 when I picked it up, and that's how I picked up books at that time. That's how I still pick up books. Um, (laughs) And I didn't understand it, couldn't read it, and I read maybe about 20 pages and then gave up. That's my review. (laughs) I I just didn't understand any of it, which, you know, it's part of a series that I didn't read any of the rest of the series. Middle of a series. Yeah. So explain why you didn't get it. Yeah. So, like, that's probably not a fair thing, but I just, you know. That's on my list, too. I just thought I'd throw that in there. (laughs) Okay. My second book is You Owe Me a Murder by Eileen Cook. This is one of the strangest books I've ever read. It's a lot of fun, but it left me, like, angry and confused. Okay. Because it requires so much suspension of disbelief. Okay. So the premise is this girl is going with a group of students from her school on, like, an exchange program to, I think, London. Mm -hmm. So she and a group of of classmates, including her ex-boyfriend and his new girlfriend, they're all flying over, and... She's she's bitter yeah. because the breakup wasn't amicable and there's like this a lot of foreshadowing of like this big thing that ended their relationship and she's carrying a lot of like emotions about it still and so she gets seated on the plane away from her classmates next to this other girl like her age and they get chatting 
And she's like, oh yeah, like my ex-boyfriend is such a jerk and he treated me so badly. And the girl's like, oh yeah, my mom is a terrible person. She's like, uh, she's abusive in sort of vague, you don't get more than that. <laughs> but like, like she's very mean to me and like my life would be so much easier if she was dead. And our main character's like, yes, my life would be easier if my ex-boyfriend was dead. And the girl's like, yeah, like, we, we should, should murder each other's people. And, and, and like, we should write a contract and sign it before we land in London. And our main character's like, um, no. Nope, we're not going to do that. <laughs> and they get to London. She doesn't think anything more of it. And then her ex-boyfriend dies. <gasps> And at the front desk of their hotel or like their dormitory, whatever, there's a note left that says, you owe me a murder. Oh, my God. And so then she has to like, she's chasing this girl through London, trying to like talk to her to convince her that she's like not going to kill this girl's mom. Yeah. And she ends up like getting blackmailed and it goes totally off the rails like it's really fun it's a wild ride but like i said i kind of want to read it now <laughs> it uh required like a little too much suspension of disbelief for me and so i was sort of like hate reading it like oh my god this book is too wild i can't believe I'm still reading this. Why am I, why don't I just put it down and walk away and never go back? Why am I dedicating my time to this? But it was like a train wreck. I couldn't look away. Okay. I mean, that sounds interesting to me. Yeah. And but maybe so, you just gave a good synopsis of it and actually, no, like is. I said, it, it's a wild ride. It is a train wreck. Okay. Um, like the plot, the main character is so stupid. Okay. Uh, like the plot is a mess the writing is a mess there's like plot holes so I had a lot of fun reading it um and so I do like recommend it to someone that's not going to take it very seriously mm -hmm. and just like enjoy the wild ride um but that's what a lot of the books on my list are is things that I didn't like enjoy okay. because they're really good things that I like enjoyed because they're bad mm -hmm. okay well completely different than that. My next one is The Pearl by John Steinbeck. It is one of the things I had to read in eighth grade English, and it is an adaptation of a Mexican folktale that should not have been adapted. Okay. <laughs> um, it's just, it doesn't do the folktale justice because we read the folktale after reading the book and the folktale was great. The book was trash. <laughs> Like, it's just way too long. Like, you know, a folktale's not long. Yeah. It's a short story. The book was like 150 pages. Didn't need to be. Uh-huh. Didn't need to be. You know, the translated version of the Mexican folktale, much better than this long book by John Steinbeck that didn't need to be written. Why did he write it? I don't know. I mean, I guess it was to bring awareness to this folktale. Probably not, but um, it's just, it just isn't good. It's about this guy who's a fisherman, and he's poor. Like, him and his family are poor, and they're living in a hut in Mexico. And he tries to go out every day and fish to get a pearl to make them money. And 
I think it's like the metaphor at the end is like your family's the true pearl or whatever. Okay. So it's cool. like, nah, whatever. But the Mexican folktale is interesting and fun. The book is not. There's also a movie of it, and that is worse than the book. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I, I know like John Steinbeck has a very particular writing style, which is either a hit or a miss right. anyways. Yep. What are other books by him? Um, I know, Grapes of Wrath. Okay, because I was like, like, I know I know one. that name, but I can't remember any of the things that he's written other than Yeah, because Grapes of Wrath is written like a chapter of setting, and then a chapter of plot, and then a chapter of setting, mm-hmm. and then a chapter of plot, which doesn't work for me. Yeah, that but, like, It works work for, for some either. people, but not me. That's my take on the, the pearl. <laughs> okay, I'm going to take a deep breath before I move into my next one. Because this is the one book on this list that I genuinely hate. Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) So I want to try to be sensitive because there is some subject matter. And also that this book might have meaning to other people. And I want to be sensitive to that. Like if you read this book or watched the TV show adaptation and you found it helpful for your mental health then I want to validate that Um, and I'm really glad that it helped you on your journey it was really destructive to mine and that is 13 reasons why yeah there's a lot of controversy Um, about this by Jay Asher which is about a girl who commits suicide and leaves tapes behind explaining what giving 13 reasons why in theory but actually just like blaming people and unloading a lot of trauma in a way that is not super sensitive and in the tv show they even like jazzed it up for ratings even more and made it all more traumatic Mm -hmm. which makes me very uncomfortable yeah and Um, like we were saying it's not going to be for everybody. Yeah. Some and like, people so this really is, love this. Exactly. But like there's some, a lot of, it's heated and there's two yeah. different Some sides. people find that this is really helpful in dealing with these types of like depression and self-harm emotions. Like yeah. more power to you if you find it helpful. I found it really triggering. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that Jay Asher has allegations of the same types of behaviors that he's condemning his characters in the book for. Cool. So that made me really uncomfortable because I was reading this book as those allegations were coming out. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, how dare you write about this if you're doing these things in real life? Mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't, up, I didn't follow that process. So it was like part of the Me Too movement. I'm going to call them allegations. I don't know if they ever went anywhere. Okay. Um, but it made for a really bad dramatic reading experience for me. Mm-hmm. And it was the one book that I finished and then have thrown across the room and screamed primally. <laughs> uh, so it was, a, it was a really bad reading experience. I think for me, that was my physics textbook in that <laughs> I think the only books that have made me primally scream are like textbooks. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever screamed at a textbook because I don't know if I've ever cared that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, on a different note. Yes, that, let's lighten it. Another book that I found out is on like most people's list for the worst books ever. 
which I didn't realize is matched. Okay. It's up in our science fiction collection. I can't remember the author's name. We actually have a baking kit for it now. Oh, where you okay. You can read the book and then make your own hard candies. Okay. In our new baking kit collection. I didn't know we had teen books yes. in the baking collection. We have the one. Okay. <laughs> so it's really popular. It's about, I can't even tell you what it's about because I opened it. I picked it up at the library at Merrimack Middle School in eighth grade. I opened it, I read a little bit of it, and I said, I hate it, but let's check it out anyway. Checked it out, never picked it up again. Oh, I love that. It's something about <laughs> arranged relationships. Okay, that could be a really good concept, and I haven't read it, so I don't know. And it's on everybody's list of worst books ever. Like, the oh. Matched trilogy is terrible. And I remember it being really popular again, like when I was in middle school, because when I was in middle school, it was that surgence of tween culture of like Twilight and One Direction yeah. and this and Hunger Games and Divergent all at the same time. So you couldn't get into it, which is valid. Do you think it's genuinely bad or do you think it's another thing like, oh, this is popular with teen girls, so it must have no I don't cultural know. merit? I don't know. I can't say because I want to read it now. Well, I might try and read it again now. I don't know, because every time I see it, I, when I'm up in teen, I'm like, oh, I remember trying to read that. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I ended up, a book that I really like, this is a tangent, a book that, one of my favorite books that I've ever read was this book called Mary Jane, and it was about Spider-Man, Mary okay. Jane and Spider-Man, yeah. and it was told from her perspective. Ooh. I've been trying to find it since I read it in middle school, and I can't find it anywhere. It's hmm. blue, and it has Spider-Man's, like, mask, but in the shape of a heart on the cover. Okay. Anyway, if anyone's ever read that, it's a great <laughs> book. Because I've never really been into superheroes, but I read that book, like, cover to cover. Okay, cool. And I think I checked it out the same time I checked Matched Out, and that's what <laughs> my memory brought me to. <laughs> but, yeah, there's this weird thing with, like, these huge YA series that are hated, I don't think there's as much hatred toward the Hunger Games and Divergent. Maybe a little bit for Divergent, but I don't know about... Well, I think Divergent, like, because the movie was not So great. bad. So, <laughs> so bad. So that, like, adds, adds, again, to constructive criticism of it. Yeah. You know, we're not saying don't criticize these We really things, should have had Angela on for this episode. Um, Angela my, also loves Divergent yes, and Hunger Games. Yeah. My next one is Jessica's Guide to Dating on the Dark Side by Ooh. Beth Fantasky. I read it. I liked it. I didn't like it enough to read the sequel. Okay. Is it like as, Tinder for monsters? That's I, what I thought of. As I get further away from it, I think it was just trying to capitalize off of the fans of Twilight. Because it's very, very similar. Like, high school girl who, I don't know if she's new at school or if he's new at school, but, like, falls in love with this tall, mysterious person who keeps telling her he's dangerous. Turns out he's, like, literal vampire royalty. And they, within the premise of, like, the first book, they, like, get engaged and they move to, like, Romania to be the king and queen. Okay. So it escalates super quickly. Like, it's a lot. And like I said, I enjoyed it. It's like a fluffy little vampire romance with, like, enough of a plot to be engaging, but not enough of a plot to be stressful. Mm -hmm. 
but then the sequel is like a court intrigue drama Mm -hmm. of like someone trying to dethrone them Mm -hmm. Uh, and I didn't I didn't bother picking up the second one. The first one wasn't interesting enough for me to want more of Jessica and whatever her fiance, husband, boyfriend's name was. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it seems like it may have, and I don't know which was published first, but it, it seems to have been drawing off of the same cultural energy as Twilight. Okay. And so it's like, okay, well, yeah, this is no Twilight. It doesn't have the power to inspire me to write fan fiction of it. Okay. <laughs> um, this next one on my list, I'm a little bit afraid to admit. Ooh. Because I think it's going to be very controversial. Okay. I'll fight you. George's Marvelous Medicine. Oh. By I- Roald Dahl. <laughs> I know a lot of people love Roald Dahl. I love James and the Giant Peach. And I love uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the movies. I haven't read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I've read James and the Giant Peach, and I liked it. And Matilda, too. I read Matilda and liked it. Um, My fifth grade teacher absolutely adored Roald Dahl. And she read to us every single day. We'd turn the lights off, and she'd sit on a stool, and she'd read to us. Miss Richards from JMU's, my favorite teacher ever. I loved her so much. Um, and she also read us Redwall by Brian James, mm-hmm. which I absolutely adored. When she read us George's Marvelous Medicine, I would fall asleep every time. And she'd read for like an hour and a half. <laughs> and I would be asleep the whole time. It bored me to tears. And uh, that's all I can say about it. I don't remember the plot. I just remember it bored me to tears. And she okay. would get very animated. And she'd do different voices for all the characters. You know, it wasn't like she was just reading, like, then George put this in the medicine and swirled it around. She was very, like, engaging us, and I just fell asleep. I'm really glad this is on your list, uh, because this is the only book to make me physically ill while reading it. (laughs) We haven't discussed this prior, you guys. We we read it for junior book group here a couple years ago. Okay. We did like like uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the Mary Poppins book, okay. 101 Dalmatian. Yeah, yeah. It's like we were doing a lot of these like classic books mm-hmm. that got turned into movies mm-hmm. and George's Marvelous Medicine was like in the shuffle. Did it turn into a movie? No, no okay. but it was skinny and I was looking for short books okay. and it's young kids <laughs> in this book group. Um, and because like Rod Dahl is like is his name Rod? Or is it? I thought it was. It's R O A L D. I thought but it was. But I can't make that all. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. So I had picked it because like, Roald Dahl was not afraid of like making his children's books like dark and a little scary and a little dangerous. And I was like, oh, like let's see how the kids and the parents who are reading this book together react. And this book made me physically ill, thinking of all of the things that he was, that George was putting into this medicine. And I was like, oh my, oh my goodness. Like if someone, if some kid read this and tried it, they would poison themselves. Did you never make potions when you were a kid? Yeah, but I didn't eat them. (laughs) Like he is making something to be consumed by another human being. 
and there's like paint remover in it. Like it would, it would poison someone, and it made me very, very physically ill and Different very, reactions. very anxious reading this. I and slept. You had a panic attack. Yes, <laughs> I did. I hated it. Uh, it it really, really brought the anxiety level in my body like up to a ten every time I had to sit there and read a couple chapters like to get ready for book group. The kids loved it. Okay. The parents had the same reaction as me. Interesting. So I felt validated. Okay, well, <laughs> that reminded me. When I was a kid, my brother and I used to play this game we called Icky Soup, which if... <laughs> we never ate it. We never ate it. So I've seen on TikTok people make like talking about how they made potions as a kid. I never did that. My brother and I made Icky Soup. So we take like a Tupperware container out of the pantry, fill it with water, and then take a bunch of random spices from our spice cabinet and sometimes condiments, but usually just spices and some food coloring. And we'd mix it together until it smelled so bad that we had to throw it down the drain. I don't know why we did that. We also put acorns in the microwave and watched them explode. Our dad showed us how to do that big mistake. (laughs) (laughs) And every time I think about that book, the smell of that comes into my brain and it's okay. disgusting. Okay. Our favorite to put in it was Mrs. Dash. Shout out to Mrs. Dash. Yeah. A Not bit sponsored. Of <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a really weird sponsor for us to have. Mrs. Dash season. Yes. I mean, Hey, if you're listening, Mrs. Dash, donate to the Merrimack public library. Cause we can't take any sponsorships. Um, okay. Goodness gracious. Uh, my next one is, is actually one I read for school. It is Frankenstein by Mary Shelley, Mm -hmm. which I read in college. I had, like, awareness of the story, but I hadn't ever read it. And I had to read it as part of my honors program in college, but our professor had us read like random snippets of it. Okay. That so he was like, read chapters one, three, and seven, and then pages 111 to 114. So we were reading like, and then the next day he'd be like, read chapter two, 12, and 13. That doesn't make so sense. So we were reading it like out of order. We only ended up reading like less than half the book. So it was a very weird reading experience, and I can't really hold it against the book. I read it in full in high school, and I didn't like it either. But I was left very confused and dissatisfied because the language was just dense enough for me not to be able to figure out what was going on from this hodgepodge of chapters that I was reading Mm -hmm. every week. Um, I will say that since finishing school, I saw the stage production of Frankenstein starring Benedict Cumberbatch. I didn't see it live, but I saw like it in theaters Mm -hmm. and that was helpful in putting everything in context. And then um, Mary's monster by Lita judge, which is a graphic memoir, a graphic biography memoir illustrated. It's beautiful. It's up in our teen graphic. That's what I was going to say. Cause I was going to say, don't you love the graphic novel sort of version? That really contextualizes the, process of writing this book Mm -hmm. and the aftermath for Mary Shelley Mm -hmm. and that has given me a lot of appreciation but like the actual end product Frankenstein the American Prometheus like 
yeah, it's a hard sell for me. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. Okay, that's. I think that's totally valid. I will say, I had to read it in full, and I also felt confused and dissatisfied at the end of it. So maybe your professor saved you something there. Maybe. Um, my my next one is I have two left. So okay. there's this one and then one more. This one I think again is going to be controversial, but maybe not. My science teacher in eighth grade gave this to me. I guess eighth grade was a very formative year for my literary yeah, taste. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> um, Jurassic Park. Hmm. I absolutely adore the movies, all of them, even the new ones with Chris Pratt. Um, my brother and I went to go see it in 3D, like the original one when they re-released it in 3D a few years back. It was a long time ago, actually. Okay. <laughs> um, it wasn't a few years back. I was like 12. I'm 22 now. It's like 10 years ago. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I tried to read the book, and I think I was expecting the book to just be descriptive of the movie, which it was not, mm-hmm. and that was severely disappointing for me. Yeah. So I just never picked it up again. That is such an interesting parallel to my next one. Okay, what's your next one? <laughs> which is also a beloved movie that I read the book and was disappointed. Oh, okay. Uh, which is The Princess Diaries. Uh. <laughs> which I loved the first movie. Oh my God, I loved it. When I was a child. And it was, yeah, it was really beloved. And I tried on two or three different occasions to go read the series of books that inspired the movie. Yep. By Meg Cabot. And... It's so different. So let me ask you this. Is Mia Thermopolis the name of the main character? I don't remember. Okay. Is Genovia uh, the country? I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> what I remember is that I love Julie Andrews. Same. <laughs> and the grandmother in the book series is terrible. She's so mean. Wow. She has like white hair and tattooed on eyebrows, which is like is a look that I can appreciate as an adult, but could not appreciate as an 11 year old. Okay. And I remember, again, like, trying multiple times to get into this series because I love stories told in diary entries or letters Mm -hmm. where you left, like, peace between the lines. Mm -hmm. I love that style of book. So I was like, this should be so up my alley. And it just wasn't because every time I would start reading it, I would try to picture the characters and the setting from the movie, and it was too different. And I was... It was not a mix for me. But we do have... Most of the series up in teen, if you're interested in reading it, um, it's it just is in general fiction. You just have to approach it like removed from the movie. Yeah, if you're going in like expecting to love it in the same way that you love the movie, you're it's not going to work like that comparison. But that reminded me of something else that we could turn into another episode. Ooh. Books we loved as children that we went back to as adults and hate. Ooh, th- yeah, that could be an interesting discussion. Junie B. Jones is the only the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, yeah, I, d- I wouldn't know what to say on mine, but we'll think about it and so, we'll come So anyway, back. my last one is yet another book that I had to read for school in 11th grade. The Old Man in the Sea. Okay. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little dense. Why is there just a whole book dedicated to a man trying to catch a fish? It's the allegory of mortality, Sam. No, it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hemingway is, again, I think one of those authors that a lot of people say runs hot and cold. Yeah. For me, this is a, like, it's not even cold. It's, like, frozen, hidden in the back of your freezer with freezer burn on it. Okay. That you, like, you bought you bought vegetables thinking you were going to make them, and then it's you shoved Captain them. It's America in 1992. Yeah. <laughs> for those of you who don't get the Marvel reference, it's like... He had been in the ice for 50 years at that point and not discovered yet. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's just too, it was too much for me. I, again, that's another thing where I wasn't, it wasn't being read to me. I was reading it and I fell asleep Ooh. at like nine o'clock in the morning, you know, like <laughs> oh, no. after I had already slept for the whole day, <laughs> the whole night, it was not, I just couldn't get into it. Couldn't get, there okay. was like, I felt that there was almost too much imagery given, you know, and not yeah. enough, you know, there wasn't enough. I need a lot of dialogue when I'm reading. I need a lot of dialogue. That book barely has any because it's just him alone in a boat yeah. talking to the fish that he cannot catch. Does he catch it at the end or does he I die? I think he dies at the end. I was supposed to read this book for school and I think I only read the first 60 pages. Bam, and I don't know. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of my like assigned summer reading books oh, okay. in high school. And... Uh, I don't remember how much of it I read. There's also a movie version of this. I may have skimmed it to the end and therefore just forgotten everything. Mm -hmm. I, I really can't recall. I remember not finding a lot of pleasure in it. It's so boring. Um, I think my English teacher in 11th grade, too, he was like, this is so boring, but we have to read it. So that was like a pretense of me like hating it already. Yeah, so you're, you're going in primed not to enjoy it. Yeah. Which yeah. he had the complete opposite of opinion of the adventures of Tom Sawyer. Which, like... is a whole nother thing. Like, it, there's a, it's so problematic. It's so problematic. But at least there was adventure in that book. Yeah, there's a plot there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my last one is a whole trilogy. Okay. It's not actually, I only read the first one. Okay. Um, the Splintered Trilogy by A.G. I can't read my own writing. It's either Howard or Hayward. <laughs> <laughs> it's up in our fantasy collection in teen. And it is an Alice in Wonderland sequel. Okay. So the main character is Alice's granddaughter. Okay. So Alice of Alice in Wonderland, like, went, had her adventures of the Lewis Carroll stories, like, came back to the real world, had kids. Our main character is her granddaughter and she can hear the thoughts of plants and animals okay that's interesting so she has this like special like magical ability which she inherited from her mom who is in a sanatorium in the book she is in a mental health facility i'm confused because this skill drove her i'm confused to seek help alice isn't magic though she's just a regular well, kid her I don't remember exactly how they explained it, but it was like her um, her adventures in Wonderland. Gave had like, her magic? Yeah, she had like carried over the properties of Wonderland okay. when she returned, or maybe like... Now the, I want to watch Alice in Wonderland. The baby daddy was from Wonderland. I don't remember. Oh, was I'm it so the sad. caterpillar? No. no. I mean, cat? 
I don't remember. That's okay. Or maybe but it somehow, was maybe it was one of the the it was Tweedledee, Tweedledum, or one of those some, card guys. Some, Who knows? Somehow, their family got these like magical abilities to hear the thoughts of plants and animals, mm-hmm. and our main character is seeing that like this. This made her mother be taken as like insane. Yep. And so she's very concerned about anyone finding out that she also has this ability. Okay. And she goes home and she's like staring in the mirror. And then this dude appears in her mirror and is like, hey, you're going to come join me. You need to come join me. And she's like, what's going on? And then her family friend, who's like a guy, like a couple years older than her, like bursts into her bedroom as she's being sucked into the mirror. And he grabs her and is trying to pull her back. So he also gets sucked into the mirror. So they end up in this like, post-apocalyptic sort of wonderland, dark wonderland, whatever, where she is being guided by Morpheus, who is, like, appearing to her in visions. Okay. And he's, like, a fairy sort of a creature, so he can, like, appear and disappear and send messages to her dreams. And, okay. And so she's being guided by him on, like, a mission to save wonderland and then she has her real world family friend dude with her helping her on these adventures okay and so the book ends sort of with her getting together with the guy from the real world who's there with her okay and I remember being like, oh, they got together at the end of the first book. What's going to happen to them in the second two books? And so I did a very Kathy thing to do, which is go read the back matter and the first chapter and the last chapter and skim through the middle of the other two to figure out if the plot is worth reading. They weren't, okay. in my opinion, because it sets up like this very, very unnecessary love triangle of like, oh, is she going to get with like the real world dude or the wonderland dude yeah. it's like well they are different species so like which is fine like that's the whole premise of twilight i'm not complaining about it but it's like i don't understand what her conviction would be to end up with this like immortal fairy god dude mm-hmm. if she is not also immortal like the heartbreak would be too much for me i couldn't handle it so it sets up this love triangle and then the the, the the closure that they provide for this love triangle is what convinced me not to read the other books. Because I can go with some, like, oh, who's she going to pick? Team What's-His-Face or Team Morpheus? Like, whatever. Yeah. But their resolution to it was that she ends up with the Earth dude. Okay. They live their whole lives together, have a whole family, and her kids continue to have these weird magical powers. And then when her husband dies, she goes back to Wonderland and her age is reset. And then she lives forever with Morpheus as like an also immortal fairy goddess, whatever. All right. Well, so it's totally like have your cake and eat it too. It would be like if Bella was with Jacob until Jacob died and then she went back and found Edward. Okay. <laughs> it's. It's indecisive on the part of the author, and I. it was enough to convince me, like I said, not to read the other two books. But if it sounds like something you're interested in, you can find it up in our teen collection. And again, before we end the episode, we are not saying that these books are not worth reading. 
And we are not saying that they're not worth anything to anybody else. Just for us personally, we don't like them. Yeah, these were just not our cups of tea. But books, if you like you know, it, exactly. Books are super subjective. Yeah, like, this is just purely for fun. And if you want to dispute with us about these books, put it in the Discord. Yes, Sign up for love. our Discord. And we're going to, you know, we can talk to you about anything in there. As long as it follows the guidelines. Well, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, like find us on our Discord and tell us what books you hate and we can have a respectful debate about it. Yeah, we I have a channel love... for the podcast. You can go back and mention anything about any of our previous episodes and we'd love to chat with you. And teens, if you are stressed about going back to school, you're already back in school. We have start of school survival kits ready and available for we you in the do. children's room. They have some like locker and school supply, accessories, swag stuff. And then they also have a craft, which is, I think, pretty cool. It's like a wooden memory box that you are making a mosaic with broken CDs. And it looks, looks like, like a disco ball. It's really cool. So... So those there you are, go, teens. Those are available in the children's room for you to swing by and pick up. And we also have, as you move into the start of school and start thinking about those college entrance exams, SATs, ACTs, we have new launch pads, which are tablets that will give you all of the test prep help practice tests that you could possibly need. So those are also available for checkout. And you can pick them up here at the library. So there you go, teens. Come to the library. We have things for you. <laughs> if you like this podcast, there's going to be more of it. Join us on the Discord. Follow us on TikTok. Follow us on Instagram. If you have Facebook, follow us on Facebook. <laughs> I know teens don't really like Facebook anymore, but you can follow us there if you want. Um, and we will see you next time with... Something. We don't know yet. <laughs> yep. One more episode before our yeah. October monster extravaganza. Yeah, I'm so excited about that. So We could start it early. We could, <laughs> but I don't know if we have enough creatures for that. Oh, I do. Okay, well, who knows? <laughs> Maybe it'll be spooky season next time. <laughs> okay, see you next time, everybody.